Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 10 o'clock hour from the Northern Kia Studios on Sports Radio 92 and the game. John Fricky with you. John Chuckery back 7 to 11 on Monday. We do have Atlanta United soccer tomorrow night. Pre-game at 7, kick at 7.30. Mike Connie and Jason Longshore live from Montreal, Quebec, Canada, as Atlanta United takes on the Montreal Impact, and uh, we will have the full game for you then. I will be back after the uh, hour today. I'll go grab some sleep, and then I'll be back uh, again, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, 10 a.m. in the morning for four more hours uh, of this. Uh, you get a chance to jump in. Again, if you're just joining us, we're talking about the Braves tonight and that 2-1 win over the Rays. We're also talking about the Falcons, and the one thing – that you see in this Falcons team that will lead them more than anything else. We've had a lot of great callers tonight uh, with a lot of great input here in terms of the way they see this Falcons team as being the, the kind of the point, the tip of the spear, if you want to say it that way, of what they're going to lead with that will take them to the NFC South title. And we've had people talk about the improvement of the roster and the depth of the team. We've had people talk about, fans talk about uh, the fact that, you know, the schedule is fairly manageable uh, and, you know, the division's not that hard. We've also talked about uh, the improvement on defense. We've talked about the uh, coaching and the system and the culture. We've talked about the running game being even more dominant than it was last year, arguably the best uh, running game in the NFL in some respects. I mean, they finished third, but, you know, the team that finished second was the Bears, and they only finished second because Justin Fields was running for his damn life. I mean, and they had run because that was the only offense they had. you get the snap, and there'd be like three guys, and he had run. I would really be interested, I know that this is over here, in seeing Justin Fields play on a good team. And the Bears could be actually a pretty good team this year. They've, their roster's really improved, so maybe you'll get a chance this year in Chicago to do just that. 404-726-0929. How about your Atlanta Braves? In the last 30 games, they are now 26-4. and They have dispatched of the Mets, the Phillies, the Twins, the Reds, the Guardians, the Marlins. I mean... These are the best teams in baseball. These were the hottest teams in baseball. The Reds were the hottest team in baseball. The Phillies were the hottest team in baseball. The Mets had come in, you know, eight back trying to cut it back in, and, you know, they, they, you saw everything that happened. The Twins were a first-place team. The Guardians were a first-place team. The Marlins had the second-best record in the National League and still do. And the Rays had the best record in all of baseball up until just a couple of days ago, and the Braves have now opened up a four-game lead over them and will be guaranteed of having the best record going to Seattle in all of baseball. That's who they're playing. They're not playing the Nationals. They're not playing the Cardinals. They're not playing those teams. They're playing the top and the best in both leagues. 
The best teams in the American League, the two teams that both take, took turns to top the uh, American League Central. Oh, and by the way, they, they just took out the team leading the American League East, and they already took a series from the second-place team in the East in Baltimore. They took a series from the team that's leading the West in Texas. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really amazing. It's really it's not just twenty six and four, it's twenty six and four by scoring eighteen runs, uh, by hitting six home runs, by hitting two hits, and scoring two runs on the road, and still winning the game because Charlie Morton and AJ Minner. Nick Anderson and Rysel Iglesias shut the other guys down. All right. Iglesias got a 16th save tonight. It was a four-batter save. Out, easy out, easy out, and then a double down the line. And then he got the final out on a strikeout. And uh, so it was, it's a lockdown close. You know, that's a lockdown close. All right, let's see more of that. Oh, and the Braves also got more good news. Max Fried is joining the Stripers this weekend. Yeah, they're, they're going, he's, he's, all right, go, go. So apparently he's healthy enough to start pitching in games for the Stripers. If he goes out there and has a couple of pretty good starts, we could see him in three weeks. Maybe, who knows, maybe a little sooner than that. And if we get Max back into this rotation, that would be a very good thing. So uh, Falcons and Braves, the big topics of conversation tonight, 404-726-0929. If you want to jump into the program with John Fricky, and of course, as you do, um, you, we will take a little time. Uh, don't just call in and, and make your point and, and skedaddle here. And skedaddle is an old term for my my great grandmother. Okay, uh, don't just uh, come in here and run. Uh, just come in here and stay a while. Uh, let's crack a beer. Let's talk it. Let's talk through this here. For for the Falcons part of this, I've been talking about. I think. See, I assume certain things. Okay, I assume that the coaching, the system, and the culture is already in place because of what I have seen over the two years, what Arthur Smith has done as a head coach, the, uh, the coaching staff at large. And, you know, DMP's got hit in that weird play on the sidelines and Frank Bush stepped up and the team still did good things. And now Ryan Nielsen's been given a toy that's got far more talent than Dean and Frank ever had to play with. And the system of Arthur Smith that took a team that was under cap hell and using one-off guys, you know, just sign guys, and this is how good uh, Terry Fontenot was to be able to identify those players that he could sign a one-year deals to come in and plug a hole for a year because they had no money because of the cap hell, and they still played relevant football games. They were still in the race for the division title into January and into Christmas in back-to-back seasons. I mean, it really is remarkable. So the culture there, the coaching, the system, and the culture, I assume that that's good. I also assume the running game is good because it's a top five running uh, offensive line, if, if not top three. And with Tyler Algier and Bijan Robinson and Cordero Patterson, you know what? I'm going to assume that that's going to be pretty good. Uh, the, the schedule, I know everybody says it's the easiest schedule in the NFL. All right, man, here's the thing about that. That's only right now. Things can change. Again, I, I want to point you to the end of the year. The last two games are on the road against Chicago and then the Swampers. Now, we don't know how good New Orleans is going to be. They may probably they may be pretty good. You know, they may be, who knows, maybe it's for the division title. The Bears might actually be pretty good, and you're going to be playing in Chicago in Soldier Field on December 31st. It could be 40 and sunny. It could be 17 and snow and blowing snow, and the Bears are going to be a tough out. 
and suddenly the Bears are a 10-win team, and they're going to the playoffs, and you're going, ah, that looks like a pretty tough game now. It didn't have the schedule at the beginning, but, boy, it looks tough now. Yeah, that's the point. You think Jacksonville and London is going to be easy? Don't we all think Jacksonville is going to be a far better team this year? Yeah, well, you should. I just I hope Calvin Ridley has a big year, just not against us. <laughs> and we are we we are rooting for Calvin to have a big year, by the way, because if he does have a good enough season that Jacksonville signs him to a new contract, we, right now we're getting a fourth round pick for him. But if he has a good enough year that Jacksonville signs him to a new contract, we get a second. So. And, and let's remember, it wasn't the suspension, okay? It wasn't the suspension. It was everything else before. Remember, Calvin quit on the team. Well, I quit. Stop playing, whatever. He had all those other issues that were going on. Let's not forget that. Everybody says, you know, he bet on football and got suspended. He only bet on football when he was, when he was not with the team because he was going through all those other problems that we really didn't understand or didn't, we couldn't figure out. I mean, it was a personal thing. I don't know what it was. We don't know what it was. Uh, you know, was it an emotional thing? Was it a family thing? Was it a? Uh, we have no idea. He just wasn't playing. He, he he played. He stopped for a game or two, right? And he came back, played okay, and then stopped again. And we all went, "What? What in the world's going on with Calvin?" And he was just gone. And then he got suspended. All right. So he's a hell of a player. We never wanted to lose him. I never wanted to lose Calvin Ridley. I would love to have had him on this team, but I understand why they had to kind of move on too. Because he was a bit of a problem. Now, if he's not a problem with Jacksonville, then, you know, he's going to be okay. And the Falcons may, you know, may get something for him. I just don't want him to have a big game in London against us. Because we know how good that guy can be. Let's go to uh, Chris, who joins us on the WayForward.com hotline. Hey, Chris. Welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? What you got, Chris? Oh, hey. I uh, I want to talk about... Okay, I want to talk about the Falcons. Um, the thing that is the most interesting going into this season is from the offensive side of the ball, if you look at the Falcons and what personnel groups that they can have on the field at any time, they can morph into whatever they need versus their opponent for that year, I mean, for that particular game. So, like, if they're, if they're light and uh, you have light uh, – cornerbacks and whatever like that, they can uh, play uh, smash mouth. They can spread people out. You know, they can do uh, multiple things with that particular personnel. And the wide receiver core is pretty big guys, and you can just, uh, you know, impose your will. And we, in a lo- not in a long time, had a team where we could impose our will on the other team. So that's, that's my take on it, and I just want to hear what you thought. Yeah, we, we haven't had a team that could impose our will since – the uh, Super Bowl team, Chris, and that that team imposed its will. I mean, they set a franchise record where they scored 504 points in the year, ran up and down the field. I mean, you're right about the height thing. What's Drake, 6'6"? Six, six? What's uh, Kyle, 6'8"? John, who's 6'8"? I mean, they send those guys out against a bunch of 5'10 guys, and Desmond Ritter didn't have to – you know, you could just – this is why you would think that they would be far more efficient in the red zone with those big guys because can't you just go, hey – Go get it, you know? I mean, just kind of throw it up there at about, uh, no, 10 foot high and see if your guy can snag it, you would think. But um, we'll, we'll see how they do this. So, uh, Chris, you also wanted to weigh in on the Braves? Oh, yeah, uh, man. This I've been a Braves fan since the 70s, and uh, it's just uh, very, very impressive uh, to watch. And they can beat you in so many different ways. 
and and we're we're doing this without our full, we're not at full strength. That's scary. Uh, I think that once we get our get our arms back, I think we're just going to be. Uh, this this is a special year. It is a special year, and, and we have to close the deal out. I mean, that's why I think we need to make a move here before the uh, trade deadline. To uh, to you know, let, let's get let's get better in the bullpen here. Let's get yeah. This team misses Tyler Matzik. I don't think there's any question about that. And we talk a lot about Iglesias. My, Chris, my bigger issue in the bullpen is probably Minter. Um, yeah, I just you know he's just so. I mean, when he's on, he's good. AJ is really good. Bad AJ is all over the darn map. Thank you, Chris. Do appreciate the call. 404-726-0929. As we talk about the uh, Braves and the Falcons, the Braves coming off a 2-1 win in the opening game of a three-game set against the Tampa Bay Rays. They will send Spencer Strider to the mound tomorrow against Taj Bradley. And on Sunday, they'll send Bryce Elder to the mound against one of the aces, Zach Eflin. We're, we're a little familiar with Zach Eflin in our history. And Zach Kapitch. Now, we do miss Sean McClanahan. He is not pitching on the 15-day DL. Sean McClanahan probably might have been a starter for the American League in the All-Star game. So we won't see him this time around. McClanahan's, I think, 11-1 and one this year. And he's, he's a tough out, McClanahan. Uh, Eflick could pitch, too. And Glasnow, who pitched Tyler Glasnow, who pitched tonight, had not been great. And he just... <laughs> you know, the second inning of the game, the Braves struck out four times. They struck out four times. They actually struck out six times in a row... Going back to the first because Acuna let off with a ground out and then Ozzy uh, uh, struck out and then uh, what Riley struck out to end the first inning. And then in the second inning, you had strikeout, 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 but Azuna got a pass ball, got to first, and another strikeout. They had struck out six times in a row, four in one inning. Ended up striking out 13 times in the game. Only had two hits. Azuna had a single and Murphy had a two-run home run. And one critical error... One critical error put the man on in front of Missouri, uh, uh, in front of Murphy, and that was it. Braves had two hits, thirteen strikeouts, and still won the game. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're looking around baseball, you're going, "What is? Do these guys ever lose?" I mean, the Phils are hot right now, and they haven't made up any ground. We've seen that before, though. They were hot before and made up no ground, and they're going, "Oh my God, we can't make up any crowd on these guys. They never lose." I told you that that loss the other night, which they shouldn't have lost, just made them mad. That's all it did. <laughs> what, four and one on this trip, right? Three and one. Three and one. Three and one on the trip. Still. Ten straight series wins. I mean, the numbers that this team puts up are phenomenal. 404-726-0929. Coming up, too, uh, if you missed it earlier, our conversation with our basketball expert, Deshaun Tate, what he had to say about the DeJounte Murray deal and what it means for the Atlanta Hawks. It's all I have with John Fricke on Sports Radio 90 Time the Game and the Odyssey app. I might go to that here because I'm getting really tired.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Sports Radio 92 on the game from the Northern Kia Studios. John Fricky with you as we continue to monitor what's going on in the NBA and the big news that happened for the Atlanta Hawks this week with the announcement that DeJounte Murray had a new four-year, $120 million contract in his back pocket and the reaction to that and what it all means. And for that, we turn to the man who knows the Hawks better than anybody that I know, and that is Deshaun Tate. He is our Atlanta Hawks expert and, of course, uh, uh, the podcaster and the basketball wizard that he is, and he's on with me right now. Hey, Deshaun. Hey, good uh, good evening, uh, Fricky. I appreciate you for having me on. Your words far too kind, but just kicking back right now, man, with the six-month-old watching a little summer league. Let me tell you something. Scoot Henderson, I know people in this market, of course, they know already being from here at Kell High School, but he's the real deal, man. He's as good as advertised. Yeah, well, you know, that's good. I mean, we'll see what – you know, the Atlanta Hawks have, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, their summer league action as we uh, kind of go uh, work through summer league and get to, you know, the uh, the impact of some of the uh, younger players on this team. And I can get to that a little bit later in the interview, but let's uh, begin with a big headline here. I, oh, yeah. that, that it dropped on Thursday night at 620, I thought was kind of interesting. I wasn't expecting a multi-year deal for DeJounte Murray. I guess I was, uh, you know, thinking that maybe, well, he's got a year left on his contract and they'll either A, trade him, or B, they'll let him play into the season to see if this whole DeJounte Murray trade thing works under Quinn Snyder. And if it doesn't, then by the trade deadline, you can kind of move him. But apparently, they decided that they wanted to keep him and they gave him four years and $120 million in a veteran maximum deal. They even gave him a player option, Deshaun. Yeah, I think it was a smart idea for the Hawks. And let me tell you something. I mean, it was something that was... Uh, needed. It was something that was necessary. I mean, since Trey has been here and has put his stamp on this league and obviously on this franchise, on this organization, you know, there's been a lot of conversations about needing help, needing help, needing help. I'm not sure that any of the guys that they've brought in over the course of the last four or five years since Trey had been here, that you would quantify anyone as much as you would DeJounte Murray as that help for Trey Young. And obviously we know about the 
unfortunate set of circumstances this year. Things didn't go the way that they really had wanted it to. But when you start talking about a guy who's just as good off the ball defensively uh, as he is on the ball, which everybody knows that he's a great offensive player as well, talking about DeJounte Murray, giving these two guys a fair chance at uh, coexisting with one another, developing and establishing that chemistry in the backcourt and all those good things. And, you know, obviously when you have the kind of year that they had and then you pair that with the coaching change, uh, you didn't really get what you, you know, uh, what you thought that you might have and giving him a chance now at a new deal, extending him. Now going to see him in a Hawks uh, uniform extensively now, I think was the uh, right move and the even more important, smarter move for the Atlanta Hawks. Well, I will say this, in the uh, the reaction that we got from uh, DeJounte Murray and the reaction that we later got from Trey Young, uh, they both seem excited about this. So, okay, that's good. Now we have to see how this is going to kind of work and how Quinn Snyder is going to tweak this. Deshaun, one of the things that, that uh, Trey Young had said uh, postseason was that Quinn Snyder had told him he wanted to go, uh, he wanted Trey to go back to being and really working on and becoming a real three-point threat. We had talked about how we had lost kind of logo Trey, and I think he wants to bring that back. Is there some thought of letting DeJounte run point and letting Trey become more of an off-ball guy? I don't know. I think that there should be. Uh, if you want to win, you got to be able to make adjustments. You know, Trey, one thing that, you know, we can all attest to is prior to DeJounte getting here, the last thing that we had saw was Trey Young up against the Miami Heat where they paired so many different types of defenders, you know, bulkier defenders, lengthier defenders, taller defenders, more aggressive defenders, and so many different things. And you threw that all at Trey. And it gives them a little bit of an option to do some different things. I mean, hey, you look at Golden State, by far not trying to compare number 11 to number 30, but you have a lot of instances where we see, you know, Draymond Green being that orchestrator of the offense, that, you know, traffic light instructor or that director, if you will, where you do see Steph have that opportunity to come off screens and do some different things. Uh, and I think that that's beneficial to give Trey an opportunity to not just be have so much pri- primary uh, priority on the ball uh, all, all, the, all the time, all the time, 24-7. And I think it's a good look just to be able to switch it up every now and then, give the offense a little bit of a different look, give Trey a little bit of a different look as well. And by that way, you're improving both of these guys' these guys' games by giving them different looks in the process. All right, so that's great. Deshaun Tate, our Hawks of basketball expert with John Fricky. That's great. But now here in the offseason, you've uh, managed to unload the contract of John Collins and, of course, John Collins, and you uh, extended a guy that was already under contract. You gave him a new deal. That's pretty much it. I mean, there was one other minor little trade that doesn't amount to much of anything. They haven't done anything. Are they going to do anything? Uh, other teams seem to still be trading. And are the Hawks going to do anything, Deshaun Tate? I would imagine that they would. How big is that move going to be? I don't know that answer. I know that there's been a lot of different rumors at one point in time, maybe taking a look at someone like a Grant Williams. Obviously, he's off the board now as he's a maverick. But, you know, uh, the elephant in the room, I guess, nowadays uh, is passed off the optum. Uh, now, in terms of what you got to give up, maybe that's the question. I'm not sure that that's the answers to everything that's gone on with the Atlanta Hawks in terms of, you know, us being able to see them contend again the way that they did a few years ago. But 
Um, you know, I, I, I do think that a move will be made. How significant of a move? I don't know. I, I don't think it has to be this big star or this big-name player. It has to be the right fit, number one, and hopefully somebody that can provide a little bit of edge, a little bit of maturity, some some winning pedigree or winning resume to some degree. Obviously, Siakam has that. I understand that. Um, but a little bit of edginess, a guy that's in the locker room that can, you know, bring – bring some maturity and bring some experience and, and be a no-nonsense guy and somebody who just wants to win and can bring the other the levels of the other guys up in the locker room who are still a little young. I mean, this isn't the young Atlanta Hawks anymore. Remember, a couple of years ago, we were talking about the young Atlanta. Eh, expectations are coming with this now. It would be nice to see them still be able to grow under bringing in another player that could help develop some things off of the floor in addition to on it. If their plan was to just kind of do a rotating start thing, more or less, where you would have Clint Capella and DeAndre Hunter, and then, of course, the backcourt of DeJounte and Trey, and on the other side, you either went with a, uh, you know, at times maybe you put Okongwu in with Capella to have a double low post presence, or at times you went with Sadiq Bey to have the three-point and the toughness, or at times you went with Bogdan Bogdanovich, and what you did was you did bogey out there, and you're just going to fire away and launch threes all day. Uh, and uh, Quinn Snyder has said he wants to shoot a lot of threes, and maybe they'd lead the league in threes, I guess. The only problem I see with that, I mean, it's fine if you want to do that, but the main problem is when you start talking about Okongwu Bay and Bogey as being primary players, which is fine again, is that you say those guys are also the bench. So yeah. what's left on the bench? Yeah, and, and I thought that was one of the bigger things. That's what me and Caleb Johnson would always talk about on our podcast was you know, the improvement to the bench that I think this team has to have. And to me, I think that's a bigger priority than bringing in a big star name player uh, that can help come and contribute to this team. We're just being completely transparent about it. You know, these holiday brothers and this and that, that stuff sounds great and defensive play, defensive minded players and everything else. But reality is that's just not going to cut it with a pair of scissors. Uh, you've got to be able to bring in some guys that are, you know, going to mix it up and, uh, you know, not be one-dimensional, you know, some, some guys that are going to be willing to do all the little things, do all the dirty work, play some defense. Where's, 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 the, where's the Ivan Johnson guy that we used to have in this town that was just willing to muck it up and do every little thing uh, that it took in order to win back? Solomon Hill. Games? Let's go to – we yeah, got a Solomon. more recent. Let's go to Solomon Hill. Agree, agree. And who was a leader in this locker room and helped bring Trey up amongst a couple other players. So I agree with you as far as from a bench standpoint as well. And then the other thing is now that you don't have the John Collins, not that you really had a rim protector in John Collins, but you don't nearly have what I think enough serviceable bigs. Uh, you know, the Kaminsky thing obviously kind of showed exactly what it was going to be. Uh, so you got to bring in some other guys that I think can provide some help because you're talking about Okongo and Capella now, which already isn't enough offense as is. But, of course, you can put Sadiq Bay situational into that position, but there's just really not enough bench and or front court, and I think that's the next thing to address for this team. You know, it's so interesting. You're a Big Ten fan. Uh, I'm a Big Ten <laughs> fan. We, yeah. both watched, we both watched Frank Kaminsky at Wisconsin and Bruno Fernanda at uh, Maryland. And both of us, at least I thought, both were going to be really good pro players because they were so good in the Big Ten. And they came in and they just became kind of guys, I guess. Don't really yeah. know what happened well, now to them. We, they... Yeah, now we got a chance to watch another Big Ten player who was the uh, number 15 pick in this NBA draft. We're going to get a chance. I hope Hawks fans are watching Summer League tonight. I think it's a, what, a 9.30 or a 10, 10.30 tonight. Uh, it's Kings and Hawks on, on this evening. And, uh, getting a chance to see one of those Wolverines go out there and try and see if he can do some things and 
So uh, I'm excited to see, you know, what the Hawks are going to look like. Maybe not necessarily the names on the roster that may stick out to a lot of people, but uh, just looking at some of the little things. And try not to put too much emphasis and stock on Summer League. I know a lot of people tend to do that. I don't care what game you're watching, what player you're watching tonight, number one player or number 15 pick. Don't put too much emphasis on it. Just sit back and enjoy and uh, let's come together as Hawks fans and, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, do 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 what we do. Evaluate this game, but just try not to put too much into it. All right. We'll, we'll certainly uh, get uh, more into, uh, let's see what the Hawks do uh, in the remainder of this offseason as they head towards uh, training camp, which isn't very far away. You'd be surprised how quick this is going to come. And, of course, that'll lead us to – That'll lead us to college basketball. But I want to jump to another topic with you, Deshaun, in the final couple of minutes we have. Just to prep the fans out there, the NBA is uh, talking again about, and it sounds like it's actually going to happen, the massive change to their schedule next year, not this season, but the following season, where they're going to go from 82 regular season games to 72 and institute this new NBA Cup, which is the in-season tournament that will culminate in a Final Four in Las Vegas in December. Understand that with this cup, everybody's going to be involved initially in this this NBA Cup. Uh, for all the fans out there, I'm talking to the fans uh, that are listening, Deshaun. Um, you could actually be playing uh, the the Detroit Pistons. I'll just pick a team in Detroit in a uh, regular season game, and two nights later you're down in Atlanta playing the Detroit Pistons. But it's not a regular season game. No, it's an opening round game of the NBA Cup, and you're going to go wait a second. What? Hey, huh? It's going to be a different tournament in the season that won't count towards the regular season standings. Um, I, I guess we'll all get used to it, but do you, it sounds like from Adam Silver, this is going to happen Deshaun. Yeah. A little, a little odd, a little awkward, especially with the timing. We're just now still in the, you know, developing learning process and getting comfortable with the play in games alone let alone trying to add something else. I'm not sure it was the brightest idea or what they're trying to keep up with or whatever the case may be. Still got to do a little bit more reading up on it, learning how some of it works. I don't want to come on here and give you, you know, play radio type answer. But, um, you know, I think to implement something this early, or this, not even this early, but just this close to what we're already still trying to get comfortable with as uh, fans of this game, I think it's going to be a difficult, you know, pill to swallow a little bit and just something else to kind of keep up with and learn how it works and everything else. Um, I'm not sure that I could have saw this coming, you know, before they changed the ages to, you know, guys being able to enter the NBA draft per se. But Mm -hmm, um, nonetheless, it looks like it's about to happen. It looks like it's pretty much just about here. If not, before you blink your eyes and say happy birthday, it'll be here before you know it. Just something else to get warmed up to. So just much me, just much like you and everybody else, maybe that's listening. Uh, just, you know, it's just, it's just time to just accept things the way that they are. It's just totally different, much like regular everyday lives ourselves after COVID. Just something else to get used to, I guess. Right. Uh, Deshaun, it's always a pleasure. Where can the fans find you, Deshaun? At Tate's Take Hoops. I'm going to be tweeting out a whole bunch of stuff. I'm a little upset, uh, freaky that I'm not at, uh, in Vegas like I should be for Summer League. But nonetheless, I'll be watching every single game, tweeting things out at Tate's Take Hoops. T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S. Per usual, where basketball lives. Thanks, Fricky. As always, Deshaun Tate, our basketball and Hawks expert on Sports Radio 90, trying the game.
Sports Radio 92 and the game from the Northern Kia Studios. It's been a lot of fun filling in for John Chuckery over these past three nights, but uh, my uh, my friend will be back on Monday. Day-Day, you're headed for vacation, aren't you? Yes, I am. Headed to Puerto Rico for the week. Are you, are you flying straight into San Juan? Uh, yes, we are. Yep. So leaving yeah, out, uh, a- I'll do my high school uh, prep sports nation show tomorrow night. Here on 92.9 mm-hmm. The Game after Atlanta United, and then uh, Sunday, head on out. You know, I when we went, um, it was living up in North Georgia, and I was coming down 75 to go to the airport to go to San Juan, and my wife at the time, my first wife, she starts screaming at me in the car. She says, we have to go back, we have to go back. I said, why? She goes, we forgot our passports. I said, you don't need a passport. She goes, yeah, you do. It's going to Puerto Rico. I said, it's, uh, it's the United States. You don't need a passport. And she was like, no, we got to go. I'm like, you don't need a, and this is the days before cell phones where we could look stuff up. I went, you don't need a passport. And so, you know, but she was out of it. And we were just south of Dalton. We had to turn around, go all the way back. And then come back, you know, after we got our passports. It was like ridiculous. It was like, and then we (laughs) land. And, you know, I said, look at that, the American flag. What do you know? (laughs) Yeah, she didn't understand it was the United States. But anyway, that, that, that. that's that story. How about the Braves? Uh, did a two to one tonight. You know, you know that they're on pace for a hundred and ten wins. Yeah, and uh, I believe they are. I saw something. They're the uh, first team um, to reach the amount of home runs that they have before the break. So, um, you know, I think what was key tonight too was Charlie Morton um, giving them six solid innings. You know, um, you know, because you know for them to only have two hits. Um, I mean, I think that was that was that was definitely big. Oh yeah, it was huge. I mean, Charlie had another solid outing, and and then Minner and and uh, who was it, Anderson, and then of course Iglesias uh, shutting mm-hmm. the door down. And we had a lockdown save from Rysel. I look, you know, Rysel yeah. is somebody I've I've given you know some kind of you know question marks to, but you know, I mean, can he grow into that guy? He's been that guy before. I was calling for him to be that guy last year when I was getting frustrated with Jansen. I was like, let Iglesias close, you know. Um, but all in all, I could, we had the one caller earlier tonight who said, uh, you know, uh, you know, pitching. And, of course, pitching is a concern. But, again, Max, Max Fried's going to go to Gwinnett. He'll be there this weekend. He's joining the Stripers. So he's not very far away. If he gets a couple quality starts in down there, they're going to bring him up to the – you know how this works. They don't wait long. You got two starts. You stretch – you know, he's got to get stretched out. Maybe three. You know, he gets three starts under his belt. If he can go 75, 80 pitches, you know, and, and suddenly is there, okay, let's bring him back. Uh, so, you know, he could be up with the big club, uh, you know, in the next three weeks. So we'll see how that kind of all works out there. Um, the um, pitching staff at large, Day-Day, the Braves, for all the runs they've scored, they have allowed the second fewest runs in all of baseball. Only Minnesota's allowed fewer runs. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, statistically, Braves are leading in almost every category on both sides, offensively and defensively. And um, again, to your point, like with the with the pitching, you know, I guess you would say deficiencies because you know once we get past the the two starters, we're kind of you know, kind of just kind of on a whim uh, for them to be where they're at. And again, largely in part because offensively, they've put up so many runs. Uh, you know, especially those, you know, early in games, they get out. So um, they get out so big on teams and, 
that's been I think that's been key, you know, these big leads that, you know, so when there is, you know, the, you know, they're they're having the bullpen games and things of that nature, the leads where, you know, it's pretty comfortable for for them to just, you know, tough it out uh, defensively and, and hold on. And um, I mean, they're just again, to your point in conversation throughout the night, man, they are this is I even tweeted it last over the weekend. I think they're just they're just fun to watch. They're just they're cool. They are a cool team to watch. And they beat you in every you know in every way. They beat you. They can beat you in a two one game, and they can beat you in a 14, 11, 10 game. Right. And, you know, they can beat you sixteen to four. They can beat you. You know, uh, so yeah, this team is you know it is really a special team. I mean, now fifty nine and twenty eight, four games ahead of the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. They will have the best record going into the All-Star break, regardless what happens. And we have Spencer Strider and Bryce Elder on the mound uh, tomorrow and Sunday in uh, in, t- in Tampa. That, that stadium, you know, you can't get a ticket tonight, right? And it's sold out all weekend. I think tickets are going for like $100 at the minimum to get <laughs> yeah. in for a baseball game. But well, the thing is, too, it's they don't open up the upper upper deck either in that stadium apparently um i can't think of the guy's name who covers the rays he was on with dukes and bell uh the other day and he was saying that you know they probably should have opened it up because i think there was one series another the only other series they sold out was against the yankees and they didn't have that upper level opened up so you would think that the two hottest teams going into the break facing off you would think they'd open that and and try to maximize that, but hey, right? They play it at, at twenty five thousand capacity, and yeah. it's like you know how Atlanta United kind of cuts off uh, you know some of Mercedes Benz Stadium and reduces the capacity to like forty some thousand, right? For for some games, uh, they do that uh, at Tropicana Field, and and you know I'm going to guess that unlike Mercedes Benz, that the reason that they don't is because since it would be you know, just once or twice or once off or twice off, they don't have the personnel. That You know, for, yeah, for like concessions, yeah, the concessions and concessions and ushers and things of that nature. Yeah, that, that right. could they be the case. they just don't have the personnel. Yeah. yeah, that could be the case. You can't just hire them on a game-by-game basis, you know, and they don't have them. So, um, so they play it at 25000 But they sell out and you can't get a ticket right now. Uh, for, the, um, for the Braves, again, 59-28, uh, to 28, uh, they are nine and a half games now ahead of the Marlins and the Diamondbacks. 10 up on the Dodgers, 11 up on the Phillies. And those are the closest teams to them in the National League. The Phillies would qualify for the playoffs today. So, and I got a Phillies fan that's giving me, oh, yeah, the Phillies play. I'm like, okay, whatever, dude. Um, so, he's all hot and bothered about the fact the Phillies. Phillies would make the playoffs. I'm like, good, congrats. You know, what do you want? You know, I mean, all right. Uh, we just kicked your rear end. All right. Did you miss that? Um, the um, Do you play poker? No, the Did only uh, the only card game I play actually is uh, blackjack and then of course spades and as far as but yeah those are only two things I really mess no. with. I uh, I play poker and I, I play uh, I love playing poker and one of my goals in life is to be uh, to play in the main event in Los Angeles for the World Series of Poker. Uh, I was gonna say now, the, this year, yeah okay. Yeah, this year they have uh, eight thousand seven hundred and seventy four players in the main event. And it's ten thousand dollars to get in, by the way. Okay. Well, what's the pot? So you can see. Oh, the pot is millions. Ten thousand dollars just mean, to enter? That's still a lot of money. You yeah, got. I know. You got to be. Point the, you got to be really good in poker to feel confident to just drop ten grand on a chance to win. 
Well, I mean, what you're trying to do is just get into the money. I mean, that's the first goal, which is about the top 40% of the field. You know, you just got to survive, advance or survive, advance or survive, advance or survive. You know, let it, let the field whittle down. And if you get to the top, I don't know how many it is, I'd have to go see at the end of the tournament. You know, you get to the top 2,500, you're probably going to get your money back. You know what I mean? So, um, but, um, or something like that. Uh, so, I, if I did decided to play in the World Series of Poker, um, I, look, I have no, I'm harboring no necessarily illusions of me winning it. Now, some of it is dumb luck. You have to know how to play poker. I know how to play poker, but you got to get lucky and you got to get hot and all that kind of stuff. And you know, you know when to shove and when not to shove. But two players of the eight thousand seven hundred and seventy-four this year, day day, um, they went all in on the first hand and lost. Mm. Two players went all in and lost. I I don't care. I had this argument with Abe. The best hand you can get, because you get two cards, right? Okay, mm-hmm. you get two cards. In poker, you get two cards. And then there's the kind of community cards. There's, it's the turn, the, you know, the flop, the, you know, the turn in the river. The, the five cards up there, and you make your best five-card hand out of the – everybody uses the five cards, or the three to five cards in the middle. And you use your two cards, whoever has the best hand wins. The best possible hand you could be dealt in your two cards is two aces. And, you know, that's, and it happens rarely. Uh, it actually happened to me a couple of times, including the very first hand I ever played live in Vegas at the Hard Rock Hotel. I sat down at a poker table, bam, bullets. I went, okay, is that how it starts? All right. Um, so that's the, the best hand you could be dealt. I, and, and everybody would tell you that in, in certain cases, you're going to go all in with two aces. You got two aces, you're going all in. If I got dealt two aces on the very first hand, at the World Series of Poker, and I just paid $10,000, I would fold. And Abe thought I was the, the if anybody, I, I said, if anybody goes in all in in front of me, I'm folding. He's like, <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm saying, I am not going to pay $10,000 to throw two aces out there to have them cracked and have some guy have like two queens and the flop comes queen six four and he's got three queens and I'm out. I'm not going to have that happen. And he's like, you're out of your mind. You have, you have to go all in with two aces. And I went, no, you don't. And we had this big argument, Abe and I, about going in all in with two aces. I said, I'm there to to play. I'm not there to go in. Well, you're there to win. Yeah, okay, that's fine. That's fair. Uh, but I'm not there to get thrown out. In the fr- and, and sure enough, two guys in the tournament got thrown out of the first hand. One of them taped it and put it up on the like the Twitter. And it's, so I watched it today, and he's like, oh, that really sucks. I'm like, man, you spent $10,000 to play one hand of poker, and you're gone? What are you doing? Yeah, You don't know. I, I, there's no all-in on the first hand. The only way I'd go all-in on the first hand is if I had, like, you know, two aces and the board came with one ace and then the turn of the river came with the fourth ace and I had four aces. I would go, okay, I, as long as there's no straight flush out there, I'm going, okay, I got four aces. <laughs> I mean, I'll go all-in, you know? I mean, I have to be 100% certain I'm winning before I'm going all-in on the first hand. No chance. Uh, you know, and, and you would say, well, that's just a weenie way to play. Well, yeah, you got to be – see, the way it works is you got to be conservative early, and then you get more aggressive as the rounds go on because most people are kind of loose early, and then they get tighter, and that's the way you play tournament poker. I start kind of really tight, and then as it goes on, I'll expand out and expand out and start pushing and shoving a little bit. That's how I play. I love to check raise. That's one of my favorite things to do in all of poker. I love to check raise. So uh, poker fans don't know what that means. Uh, and I love to shove out check raises. So, um, 
Yeah, it was. I can't imagine paying ten thousand dollars of your hard-earned money to play one hand of poker. You know, I mean, if I were to if I were to play in the World Series of Poker, I'd be real tight the first day. I would say I'm going to make it through the first day. At the very least, I'm coming back to play in, on the second day. If I get knocked out on the second day, I at least made it through one day. You know, I'm going to see eight hours of poker, you know, or something like that in the first day. I'm going to play. I'm going to get my $10,000 worth in that regard. If I don't make the money, I'm going to at least play some. I'm not going to go all the way to Vegas, spend $10,000, play one hand, and leave. That would just suck beyond words. I can't believe guys would do this. It just it amazes me that they would actually go all in. I, 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 what are you looking at on the board that would say, yeah, I think I can risk that? What are you doing? You know, some donkey over there shoves you. Okay, you know what? You, know, you just walk away. Let the donkey win. I bluffed. All right, whatever, donkey. I mean, you know, <laughs> man, I just find that to be uh, – that story, when I saw it, I just, I just shook my head. I'm like, really? $10,000, Day Day. $10,000. Yeah. I hope they're all right. Hand. Yeah, I hope they're okay. <laughs> you, would have been, you would have been better taking 10000 and putting it on a hand of blackjack. <laughs> right. Putting $10,000 on the pass line at a craps table. Yeah, no. All right, my thanks to you, Day Day. I really appreciate the job you did over the last three days. I get a little rest, and then I'm back at 10 a.m. doing more of this stuff. It's a pleasure John working Chuckery with you, back, man. Uh, yeah, have a great vacation, my friend. Thank you. Uh, John Chuckery back Monday night right here on Sports Radio 90 time the game. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.